In a world full of confusing conversations that divides the world into black and white, our hosts invite listeners to abandon duality and live in the gray. By approaching each topic with unapologetic boldness, clarity, and nuance, even we know that leans into the opportunity to say the quiet parts out loud. Now, here are our hosts, LaToya Green and Kat Schwarz. Hello, hello, another happy Wednesday to you, everybody tuning in live here on the Inspired Choices Network and everybody listening from wherever you are tuning in. This is the Even We Know That show where myself, Latoya Green, uh, founder of Higher Definition Leadership and Empowerment Coaching, is here with my wonderful colleague, Kat. Uh, Kat is representing Compassionate Healing Services. Uh, you can find Kat um, online at chsyoga.com as well as on Instagram at, at Compassionate Healing Services. If you want to find me and you think anything I'm talking about in this conversation is more relevant to your life, come and find me over at higherdefinitionlec.com. Uh, today's conversation, first of all, Kat, how are you? I'm doing okay. How are you? Hanging in there and pushing in a lot of the same ways. It's hectic, it's frantic, it's a lot of moving pieces going on, but I'm grateful to, you know, take some time out to unplug from all of that to hang out with you for today, especially uh, with the conversation of the hour. This week, we are talking about gaslighting and want to spend some time uh, looking at this kind of highfalutin and very buzzwordy phrase that has been introduced to the social lexicon um, in the ways that gaslighting should be understood, the way that it coincides with PTSD and CPTSD, some of the types of traumas that we've been talking about, um, and the ways that gaslighting works, the ways that we uh, are gaslit, the ways that we are gaslighters, the, ga the ways that we socially uh, exist in a position of uh, gas lituation, if you will, right? Just a bunch of different ways to look at this concept and unpack it so that we can utilize it and understand it as we navigate and build relationships that mean something important to us, right? So um, I, when we were coming up with the list of topics and doing some of the, you know, episodes, episode breakdowns and figuring out what we wanted to get into uh, during our time on IS, um, ICN, um, I specifically chose talking about gaslighting because similar to our conversation last week, what was the, what was the topic last week? I, I'm, uh, I don't know why. It Man, you're putting me on the spot. Healing. <laughs> Healing, healing, right? Yeah. Well, healing from trauma, right? And this notion of needing to heal um, is also, to me, another phrase that has slipped itself, itself into the conditions or the terms and conditions of how we relate to each other. So gaslighting, similarly, I feel like finds itself in political conversations these days, social conversations, relationship, uh, intimate relationship conversations, and really becomes this opportunity to finger point and tell somebody they're doing wrong by you. But more times than not, I've heard gaslighting being misinterpreted and being misimplied and used and kind of swung um, or, or, or not even swung, but used a, a very broadly, right? Painted with a very broad brush, a lot of uh, specific things that shape our interactions that may leave somebody displeased or upset or frustrated about how uh, the interaction is playing out, right? So Kat, uh, demystify us real fast. What is gaslighting? What do we mean when we talk about gaslighting and where did it come from? Well, first of all, I have to go back to the fact that you just added to the lexicon with gas situation, I believe it was. That was what I said. Yes, yes. Different tenses, <laughs> and, I, right? and I have to say, you know, as busy as our schedules are and, you know, I mean, talking to you, whether it be on air or off air, is just like always one of the highlights of my week. So please hire this woman. Go to higherdefinitionlc.com and uh, please hire this woman. <laughs> Go 
tchsyoga.com and um you know hire that woman hire her <laughs> because we know what we're talking about and yeah. um you know in my my area of expertise if you will is suicide prevention and that's why gaslighting is such an important topic to talk about just like healing from trauma and talking about uh, things like fat phobia and neurodivergence. We're just heading backwards through all the episodes you can find now on inspiredchoicesnetwork.com. And we are coming to the end of our original eight episodes. So please do check out all the previous episodes as the building blocks for this conversation. So to answer your question, my friend Toya, um, gaslighting the term is almost 100 years old. It comes apparently from a British play um, mm. that was called Gaslight. And the story of the in the play was of a nefarious man who finds a wealthy woman and marries her. And after marrying her, he starts to play with her psycho- psychologically in the sense that back in those days, um, you know, lights were... Um, somehow operated by gas right I don't know I can't quite explain it uh, the mechanics of it to you but obviously um it was a different time so so um he was playing with the the intensity of the gas and turning it up or down and you know anytime she would question him about that he would deny it right similarly he would knock on walls and then say she was just hearing things or he would move things to different locations and when she noted them he would completely deny that it was ever in the other location things of that nature and what slowly starts to happen over time in the plot of this play, which plays out in real life in ways we're going to talk about throughout Very this episode, fun. is she starts to to really question her own perception of reality, right? If she believes that the gas the, the gas used to be um, you know at a lower setting and that the that she just heard a knock or that this item was there and it wasn't, you know, she starts to question her ability to even believe her own perceptions what her own senses are telling her and over time the you know the conclusion of the play is that she winds up in a mental institution and he takes her for all her money (laughs) right so that is the um that is the well entertaining perhaps clever um plot of this play we really do see that a phenomenon played out all the time in very real, often as we'll start in very um, um, benign ways, right? Mm -hmm. You know, there are so many um, things that we say to each other and even to to our children, um, you know, people whom we genuinely care about that could be considered gaslighting. So I know you and I, we had identified what we considered four types of ways that we tend to gaslight one another. So we're talking in the first segment here about the not the type of gaslighting like in that origin story that was clearly nefarious right malignant it was intended to harm it was intended to steal right and, and you know when we talk about we'll get more into intentional gaslighting because that's very muchly a thing and when we look back at the different types of traumas particularly complex uh ptsd or complex traumas we can see some of that intentionality but i also want to be clear that one of the reasons this conversation was of so much importance to us is that gaslighting happens often by mistake right i think we fall into patterns and habits and tendencies of wanting to protect our own perception or to protect um our perception of, of other people's perception of us that we create and invoke 
uh, gaslighting, even when we don't recognize it, it becomes like a slippage, it becomes a bad habit, and it becomes this malignancy in relationships that ends up being very forward and very present, even in ways that we don't readily identify. So of those four, I'm sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say, and the reason that will harken back to our conversation about ego versus intuition, right? Because we all are, we all possess a body, a mind, which is also known as the ego and a soul. And we are those things in equal measure because we all have an ego, which is our, we call it shadow side, right? That's Mm -hmm. like the healing work for the, for um, when you have ego projections or delusions is shadow work. And it's because your ego is inherently unconscious to you. So when someone says something that doesn't, let's say, um, jive with your social, with your um, your image of um, your self-image, right? Mm-hmm. How we want to see ourselves, yeah. right? Our shadow is what what's unconscious mm-hmm. to us because we don't want to see that about ourselves because it doesn't, you know, we were taught at a young age that being this, doing this thing is not socially acceptable or it's unprofessional or, you know, our family doesn't operate that way, right? Mm-hmm. However, it's uh, conditioned in you. Even and, and last thing I'll say before we get into these four types is that from a communication theory standpoint, we, we call this face work oftentimes, and we try to control the perception. You've heard the phrase, you're just saving face, so I want to save face, so I don't do this or I do that. And that comes from the idea of the school of thought that we have faces that we present and faces that we understand ourselves to be. And when they come into competition or conflict with each other, we do certain things to maintain, to save face, to make sure that we are not the worst version uh, that we could or could not be existing as at one point in time, that we are not locked in and crystallized as this misconceived or misperceived uh image of ourselves that we may have given out falsely falsely to other people right so we do face work we do the things to make sure when it's all said and done we walk away uh with our images intact with our face intact with our perception intact with our character intact even when there are things that are completely counterintuitive and, and that undermine um the face work that you do and while that's completely understandable logical we all do it no one is immune um, you know, when unhealed, it is going to lead to things like gaslighting. It's going to lead to projections because only a in only in seeing what is unconscious to us in bringing awareness. Right? We talked mm-hmm. about this last week in the healing episode that healing is about awareness. Right? It's about bringing your own toxic traits into your awareness so you can heal them. Yeah. Right. In the healing world, we say you can only heal what you'll feel. Right. If you can't feel the emotion or un- understand the root of the problem, how can you possibly move to the other side of it? Right. So, yeah. So let's talk about the, what we identified as the four different types of common gaslighting. This is not the malicious, intentional, abusive type of gaslighting. But I le- believe we we gave um, the examples. So I have a couple examples written down. I know we're gonna, you're going to talk about them as well. But the types mm-hmm. that we identify, would you like to speak about those, Toya? Yeah, the first type is individual highlighting. So, I mean, highlighting, gaslighting, instead of highlighting, gaslighting. Which <laughs> yes, situation. Uh, <laughs> exactly. That occurs <laughs> interpersonally or one uh, between yourself and another individual, right? So regardless of the traject- the, the direction of the gaslighting, whether it's you to somebody or to somebody else to you, uh, it exists in ways that force you to really sit back and question what you saw, what you felt, whether or not your response to a certain thing was valid or accurate, whether or not your read of a situation was one that was apt enough or, uh, you know, just crystal enough, or for other people, you double down on the, the fact that it couldn't have been, that you couldn't have been, that that's not how you meant it. You focus more 
on intent than reception, right? And there's a lot of tension there because communication, I'm gonna give you some more communication scholarship, right? The the communication occurs. And when communication occurs, only 90, only 10% of that is based on the intent of the uh, communicator, right? The other 90% of an exchange that shapes the communication process is how it was interpreted or what that receiver has been given to decode, to understand and to internalize what they've been given. So you give them a message, Right. But and maybe you don't mean anything by it, but it's the sender's responsibility to be mindful of the environment, the delivery, the tone, the pace, the pitch, the words, the language, and to consider all of those things simultaneously as they're delivering that communication. So yeah, and the way I would when you're not your role in the process. What were you saying? I'm sorry. The way I would put that in healing terms is that just because there wasn't intent to harm, it doesn't mean that wasn't the impact. Absolutely, right? right. Yeah. So, so, so let's, well, yeah. So, so the examples that I wrote down of individual gaslighting, and again, these are just very common examples you might hear. Um, that did not happen. I never said that would be one of them. You're exaggerating could be mm. another one. Um, and then it, honestly, um, I was, I was a little bit surprised that, um, as I was researching this, one of the, one of the experts who's considered, um, well-known in the field of specific to narcissism is Dr. Romani. And she was speaking about one of the most lethal types of gaslighting on the individual level is the the phrase, as she put it, no one will believe you. Mm -hmm. Now, what really struck me about that is that my own brother, you know, we've been talking all along on very personal terms about, um, you know, our different traumatic experiences in the past. And my sibling, Mm -hmm. my older sibling was quite abusive to me. And while certainly there were physical, you know, the, the, 1980s type uh, noogies as we call them and um, you know whether um, you know sometimes worse like hockey pucks flying at my body at top speed type uh, type physical stuff um, Mm -hmm. the things that he did to me verbally and emotionally were far more impactful and one of the things that he said to me all throughout my entire childhood that has had such an impact on me is nobody cares what you have to say And every time, even through adulthood, I find myself in a room or, you know, where um, even in relationships often, you know, where that belief has been reflected back to me so strongly. So for her to say that that's one of the most lethal types of um, gaslighting was really impactful for me personally. Yeah, I mean, listen, and and I want to talk about, I'm going to give one more example when we come back of this, um, if, uh, from this break, and then we're going to continue with our list. This is the Even We Know That uh, show. We are talking about gaslighting and all the various iterations and implications of it. So don't go too far. Stay connected with us right here on the Inspired Choices Network. Trauma, spirituality, and intersectionality are common threads that tie our life experiences together. Understanding trauma, exploring spirituality as a tool to heal, and looking at it all through an intersectional lens is what makes our show unique. By tuning into Even We Know That with LaToya Green and Kat Schwarz, you will gain valuable insight and clarity on the issues that affect us most, whether you realize it or not. Tune in on Wednesdays at 4 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Central, 2 p.m. Mountain, and 1 p.m. Pacific on InspiredChoicesNetwork.com. Are you a subject matter expert? Are you here to share your expertise with an audience waiting to hear from you in only the way you can deliver? Are you ready to have your voice amplified across the airwaves? Inspired Choices Network has a global radio platform streaming to millions of people across the world. 
professionally produced and supported by an accomplished team every step of the way, you can broadcast from anywhere in the world knowing your voice matters and we ensure it is delivered with ease and efficiency. Eager to hear your message, the world awaits. Contact us today to become an Inspired Choices Network radio host. Email becomeahost at inspiredchoicesnetwork.com. This is Even We Know That with LaToya Green and Kat Schwarz. To participate in the program, join the live studio audience in our chat room at inspiredchoicesnetwork.com. You can also send an email to evenweknowthat at gmail.com. Now back to the program. Welcome back to Even We Know That. I am Latoya Green here with Kat Schwartz, and we are talking about gaslighting here uh, on the Inspired Choices Network. And I wanted to wrap up our first example of gaslighting of the four that we have in talking about individual gaslighting by making sure you identify one more kind of system of phrases that can really work to gaslight people. And that is always and never, right? People don't always do things and people don't ever, never do things, right? That are those are those types of language, that type of phraseology is meant to really create a world where everything you do is out of the norm and you are behaving and functioning and, and existing different from other people who would normally be in your category. So unlike other girlfriends or partners or sisters or siblings or kids, you always do this or you never do that, right? And that becomes uh, a mechanism to really inflate and blow up a situation in a way that creates a caricature of what's really happening as opposed to dealing specifically and intentionally with conflicts as they exist. So those always and nevers creep in and become other forms of gaslighting. Now that we got that out the way, out of the way in terms of individual gaslighting, the second type is collective gaslighting. And I was going to turn it over to Kat because Kat was really coming up with great, just, just, just vivid imagery and examples of what collective gaslighting starts to look like. So Kat, what do you think? Well, and, um, you know, we keep it intersectional around here, as you say, right? So, you know, even just the idea of, um, let's say, white supremacy or the patriarchy or the gender binary, right? This is a form of collective gaslighting, right? There is no such thing as one race of people being supreme of an over another, right? There is no such thing as men being more, um, you know, uh, deserving or equal or worthy or human than women or anyone else on the gender spectrum, right? The gender spe gender is not a binary, right? So, and then based on these false premises, very deliberately put in place by matrices of power, right? That are benefiting greatly, usually monetarily, and um, certainly um, via political power and things of that nature mm -hmm. uh, from these, these ideas. We then, um, let's say, gaslight groups of feminists like ourselves to say, oh, feminists go too far, right? It's one thing to fight for equality, you know, in this specific area, but don't go so far as to say that the patriarchy needs to collapse, yeah. <laughs> right? You know, mm -hmm. and those are all forms of, um, you know, very common gaslighting among one another, right? That keep us all really stuck in these um, crappy status quos. Um, and you know another example, yeah, we're we're obviously um, 
not trying to spare anyone's uh, feelings here if you don't agree with us politically, but, you know, even the way that um, we were convinced that the whole premise of the invasion of Iraq, or let's say, right, was based on um, misinformation. That's just a form of gaslighting, and we can call that propaganda as well. Mm -hmm. So we see gaslighting certainly on the collective level. Do any other examples jump up for you? They do. You know, when I look at the attempts to deny the experiences of people who find themselves, found themselves oppressed or marginalized, a lot of the responses to those are that it couldn't be, or that it's not as bad as you say that it is, or that that person isn't like that, right? So a lot of moments where you look at women in the ways that women have made, you know, advances in our society and taken on new opportunities and been uh, placed in and, and earned opportunities to be in new positions of power. Um, and you also see that that for some reason is an example of the fact that it is impossible that women aren't treated, uh, you know, fairly in this society or that everybody has all the same opportunities, right? When no, we're literally giving you example out of, like, don't gaslight me into thinking that just because women have opportunities here and people, women are running for president and vice president, that my particular existence and experiences don't jive with exclusion that happens to women, right? Same thing with Black people. Oh, we need Black presidents and Black this and Black that. Y'all have it easy. You have it better. It's not that hard. That is, again, another form of gaslighting that refuses to pay attention to the nuances, the particularities, and the specific instances that are being provided to explain a particular phenomenon. So not only are these matrices of power existing in a form of gaslighting, but the way that people then often respond to the lived experiences, the testimonials that people give about what they've gone through, they get undermined and undercut all the time for the sake of this collective gaslighting. It's 2023. Nobody does that. Nobody cares. No, it's 2023. Right. And it's sad that these things are still happening. It's that in the face of all of these advances, that we are still circling the drain with these types of issues, right? So it is usually the exact opposite, not because something has gotten as far as it has, but uh, despite that, and in spite of that, people are still right. experiencing gaslighting. Yeah, you'll hear stupid, you know, stupid people and, uh, you know, phrases such as, you know, that uh, racism ended with slavery or, or affirmative action, right? Mm -hmm. uh, you know, these are all, you know, forms of collective gaslighting. So let's move on to one of the other forms, which is familial gaslighting. This one can occur, and we, we uh, this is something I hadn't even uh, taken note of, but as you were speaking, um, when we talk about um, how we gaslight abuse survivors, right? Because if we have, if, if, if we have a different relationship with the person who is being, you know, abuse is being claimed towards, it's very common to become defensive of the abuser, mm -hmm. right? You know, oh, well, they've never treated me that way, or I can't imagine that they would do something like that, right? Mm -hmm. So that becomes a real lethal. So now we start coming, you know, going into the, the more um, overt or, um, uh, lethal types of, of gaslighting, um, but we're, we'll stick to the, the topic. So familial examples uh, could be what I just mentioned, right? If we're mm -hmm. telling an abuse survivor like, oh, well, he's my uncle too, right? And nothing ever happened between us, something of that nature, right? Mm -hmm. Um, if you confront, let's say, a partner or a, a, a sibling or a parent who um, has done harm in the past or is doing harm and they say something along the lines of, well, I guess I'm just the worst partner in the world. I guess I'm just the worst parent in the world. That's a form of gaslighting, right? It's 
Why? And, and the reason why is that they will then they want your response to be, well, no, you're not. I'm not saying that. That's not it's what it's all I'm about. Saying. Exactly. Now, now you have to all of a sudden walk back the very certain, very sure, very just affirmative feelings of disrespect or disregard or undermining that you're feeling for the sake of having to suture up and fix their feelings about how you've expressed yourself. Right. Gaslighting par excellence. Yeah, exactly. And it's all about taking the the um, accountability off the abuser onto the, you know, and making themselves the victim, right? Mm -hmm. It's pathetic, as you said, it really is. But it's so common, right? I mean, these are things that happen all the time, because, as we've said in from the beginning, right? Trauma is a public health crisis, right? Mm -hmm. Most adults have been through adverse childhood experiences impactful enough. And since complex trauma occurs in relationship, it's triggered in relationships. So you can see how these, these are all related to the conversations and building on the conversations that we've been having all along, right? Um, uh, that's always how it's been in our family might be an example of familial um, gaslighting, you know, well, we, this is just always how we've done how we've done it. And then a common one um, in uh, uh, for especially for parents who use corporal punishment. Oh, my spanking didn't hurt as much as you say it did. Right. We we do tend to gaslight children right around their ex emotional experiences and their levels of pain. Because it's it's easier than taking on the accountability that you you caused your child pain. Right. right? Blame feels better than shame, right? So, and and as humans, we are always hardwired to seek comfort, right? Absolutely. So, so let's move on to uh, the one more type. There's one more type of there's one more type of gaslighting we didn't get to that I want to make sure we talk about briefly, just because it is just that insidious, and that is internalized gaslighting, right? The the internalization, the self talk, the intra personal conversations, not inter between two people, but intrapersonal dialogues that we have with ourselves where, and this is, this is, it's, it's the most insidious because I think this is where we do a lot of the damage to ourselves because then we allow ourselves to be gaslit outwardly or externally yeah. is when we trick ourselves into seeing, seeing, thinking that what we see, we didn't see, right? When you're, you're the person telling yourself that, oh no, that can't be the case. How many times have you walked around and you've experienced some negative emotion or negative uh, interaction? And you're like, did you just try to mansplain me? And I, I didn't like And you're like, no, that couldn't have been. Maybe I just don't know what I thought I knew. Maybe, you know, th that person seems to know what they're talking about. No, you just got mansplained too, right? Like, did you just, I'm sorry, like, you just talk over me? Like, I, I felt like you tried to crowd out and box out my voice. And I'm looking around, not a lot of people look like me. And I know maybe not a lot of people like me come in here on a regular basis, but I feel like you just tried to shout me down real quick because I'm I'm Black. And it just, it, and I know I'm not supposed to think like that. So maybe I'm just being dramatic. And this is what they're talking about when they say we always play the race card and put, no, you were being anti-Black, mm -hmm. right? Or anti-queer or my disability has made you uncomfortable. So now there's no space for me. And now you projected and being paternalistic and talking down to me and condescending to me because you don't think I can understand or you don't think I can handle something. And internalized gaslighting occurs when we sit here and tell ourselves we didn't see what we saw. We didn't feel what we felt. And that there's not a necessary moment of redress and rejoinder and that I'm making it too big or this is exactly what they mean. This is, I'm falling into the stereotype. Oftentimes we don't wanna be seen as Right. right. The the bad fat, the bad black, the bad disabled, the one that's always complaining, the one that the world has to stop for. And so we ignore the intuition. We ignore the internal voice. We ignore the dialogue that we're having and hush it and say, no, it's me. Right. That was me instead. 
Yeah. And again, I have a very personal um, story about how lethal this really can be, right? Because I, you know, some more common examples, certainly ones I say to myself, and I'm sure many can relate to um, of internal gaslighting. I'm too sensitive. I'm too much, right? Mm -hmm. I make everything such a big deal. Like, why can't I just relax, right? And then for me, this one was so impactful that it will be the name, the eventual memoir that I write my childhood could have been worse, right? It could have been worse. It could have been worse because that phrase kept me from really confronting how bad it was, (laughs) right? The fact that other people had it worse than me didn't mean that I, that I had developed in a a healthy um, environment, right? Or that my nervous system had a chance to develop normally. You know, none of those things were um, healed until I could again, bring them into my awareness, right? So just me for decades, literally of gaslighting myself, oh, it could have been worse, it could have been worse. Um, you know, comparing my childhood experiences even to my closest friends at the time, much less people whose stories I saw on the news, right? Like it was so easy to stay stuck and stuck I did. In fact, I had a suicidal crisis in my late 30s, right? So that's why we're talking about this because this has very real long-term, potentially lethal consequences. And I can't, you know, impress upon us as we prepare to go to a break with how important it is to recognize the bi-directional nature of gaslighting. You are being gaslit most of the time. And I won't say most of the time, but on a regular basis in various social settings and situations and interactions, you are being invited to tone down, to take away, to deflect attention from things that are important and that are formative to how you feel and understand yourself and how you understand other people. But also, because I'm always down for a good moment of reckoning, we do some of this damage to other people. Right. Yep. The part of the reason why gaslighting is what it is and why people walk around with what with undealt with and ungrappled with trauma is that there's not space being held for us to treat things as they actually are. Right. The the objects in the mirror, right, are, are actually a lot bigger <laughs> than, than they seem to appear. Right. We only kind of catalog them when we see them, but we really don't give true respect and credence to just how large and how influential they can be to how we understand, relate, uh, build and even break down relationships, right? Whether we determine whether or not this is the type of relationship I should be in. If this is somebody I should be locked up and connected to, if I need to be doing more in, on a social level, right? We don't we don't question those things because gaslighting invites us to, to see things in much smaller, more di- distorted forms than what they really are. So we've talked about the intentional versus unintentional gaslighting and the ways that both we gaslight and are gaslit. But I want to get into a little bit more of the malicious, more malignant forms of gaslighting that really take a toll on folks who have experienced or are experiencing trauma. So uh, this is, this is even we know that, we're going to jump into that explicitly when we come back here. This is Toya, that's Kat. Come back with us in a minute on ICN. Trauma, spirituality, and intersectionality are common threads that tie our life experiences together. Understanding trauma, exploring spirituality as a tool to heal, and looking at it all through an intersectional lens is what makes our show unique. By tuning into Even We Know That with LaToya Green and Kat Schwarz, you will gain valuable insight and clarity on the issues that affect us most, whether you realize it or not. Tune in on Wednesdays at 4 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Central, 2 p.m. Mountain, and 1 p.m. Pacific on InspiredChoicesNetwork.com. How wonderful would it be to carry your favorite Inspired Choices Network host with you throughout your day? Well, now you can. 
Inspired Choices Network now has its very own mobile app. Our free app offers live streaming shows, along with thousands of podcasts and TV episodes. Our shows cover a wide variety of topics. Whether you're waking up with us, carrying us through the day, and taking us to bed with you, we're always here for you to enjoy. We're easy to find. Just search for Inspired Choices Network in the Apple App Store or Google Play Store. This is Even We Know That with LaToya Green and Cash Wars. To participate in the program, join the live studio audience in our chat room at inspiredchoicesnetwork.com. You can also send an email to evenweknowthat at gmail.com. Now back to the program. Welcome back, everybody. My name is Kat Schwartz. I'm joined by Latoya Green, and this is Even We Know That on the Inspired Choices Network. We have been talking about gaslighting today, and today, and we're going to get back, and we're going to now get into the more, as you say, nefarious or malicious, malignant forms of gaslighting. So we did want to say that as much as um, you know, gaslighting can be unintentional, right? Just as it can be intentional, it always feels invalidating, right? Mm-hmm. It always feels bad <laughs> to have your perception of reality questioned, and that can be your very first uh, signal of that you're being gaslit, right? We're, you know, I teach all about intuition, all about the idea, this radical idea that you can trust your body, <laughs> right? That your right. body is giving you the information you need in order to make decisions. And as we've spoken in previous episodes, your emotions really are your guidance system. So if you feel invalidated, if you feel confused, if you feel like you're not being listened to or things are being deliberately misunderstood, those are signals, those are red flags, if you will, of gaslighting. And, you know, we've explained how, why it's so significant to talk about this, because it literally can be lethal. Mm-hmm. So, and when we talk about the the lethal forms of gaslighting, usually that's where we're talking about narcissism. So that's another one of those words that's really thrown around, mm-hmm. right? We talk a lot about gaslighting, we talk a lot about narcissism, and in, and in many cases, it's not um, appropriate, right? Because, just as we all have an ego, we all have at times narcissistic tendencies, right? Right. We can all be selfish, right? We can all project, we can all be defensive when it's not warranted, right? Those are all normal traits. However, when we talk about narcissism, and if we go back to our conversation about ego versus intuition, this idea that we have a body, as we all can see, but we also all have a mind and a soul or a higher self, a, um, a, a source energy, right? And intuition, all these words are the same. And the the fact that every single person walking the earth is connected to this divine source energy there are people on the planet who were either, in most cases, so traumatized as children mm-hmm. that what they really learned was that the world is unsafe. The world is inherently unsafe, and therefore, only they themselves can keep themselves safe. And they have to essentially become so aligned with their ego mind that they really almost, in a sense, become soulless, right? Their their intention becomes to harm. Their intention becomes to um, to get what they want at all costs. And in my view, the people like that, right? And we can certainly think of certain, I don't know, former presidents <laughs> who, um, you know, who would, would go under the 
the, the uh, label of more overt narcissism, right? People who are just unabashedly all about power and, um, you know, money and <clears throat> criminality, <laughs> you know, <clears throat> whereas the more um, concerning type of narcissism really is covert narcissism, right? The people who um, intend harm, you know, really are um, doing the things that they're doing, gaslighting or otherwise for malicious intent, but also have that upstanding social image, right? They're the people whom it might, um, it, you might get familial gaslighting in the terms of, oh, well, that person's such a, you know, he goes to church every week or, right. you know, uh, you know, and, and that's where it becomes really, um, in really lethal for the the abuse survivor because not only have they experienced abuse and narcissistic abuse is incredibly damaging but now they struggle to even be believed and that happened to me personally you know mm -hmm. i had a narcissistic covert narcissistic best friend who once you know she started her abuse campaign on me i was not believed and i lost i believe 13 friends in a very mm -hmm. short period of time and it was what contributed to my suicidality so you know again this is all very personal but it's also very relatable you know, uh, to most people, which is why I, I talk about it. 1000%, you know, I mean, I think uh, the insidiousness behind uh, intentional abusive uh, gaslighting is, okay. I think the damage can be understated. And one of the things we've always tried to, tried to do from my first conversations about PTSD and CPTSD um, and the ACE study. So looking at child adverse childhood experiences and how they shape how we deal with and how we interact with people now, I think speaks a lot to our attachment styles. The phrase that we, one of the, use, the phrases we use last, uh, last episode, uh, when we were talking about healing is the idea of being trauma bonded, right? And also changing and making sure we have a clear definition of what trauma bonded it, it is, being trauma bonded is. So as uh, a, a, a reference to that show, when we talk about being trauma bonded to people whom we have experienced being gaslit from, be experienced ex abuse from, and then being gaslit about it, it is the irrational kind of inexplicable tendency for us to lean back into and fall right back into the line of their care and their subsequent abuse, right? It is uh, trauma, being trauma bonded to somebody speaks to the difficult nature, albeit impossible ability for you to really break that relationship, break that chain, break that source of abuse, which means you stand to be gaslit, right? Because you can't move away from that relationship, because it's harder to break that connection or to break that bond, because sometimes you have to be reliant or dependent on your same force of abuse. So you are trauma bonded because they literally pay the food that you put in your mouth or they supply the roof that you put over your head. You force yourself or are forced rather into a position to be gaslit about those experiences. So then what happens? It becomes circular. When you're told that it's not that bad or it's not that deep or it's better than it was before or the I didn't really do that, then you stick around and stay a little bit longer, right? Then somebody who may be directly in your face says, I hate you, can't stand you, don't care nothing about you, don't wish you well, hope nothing good for you in your life and I control everything and there's nothing you can do about it right right and that and I, I might justify I think, a, a clear and larger response to that abuse but without it you end up in that tautological relationship with your abuser that is trauma bonding what were you saying yeah and I and what 
um, you know, that's, I think, what distinguished a trauma bond or even a codependent relationship um, from a um, an overtly abusive relationship, because of course there are relationships of which there's never any love, right? There's only abuse, right? And then what makes a trauma bond honestly so hard to leave and so addictive, if you will, is this idea of intermittent reinforcement, right? Like just like gambling is addictive because sometimes you win, right? Mm-hmm. A trauma bond is addictive, regardless if it's if it's with a, a narcissist who's doing this intentionally, or as has happened even in my own life people who were very unhealed from their own traumas and are therefore projecting their shadows, mm-hmm. right, in abusive ways, um, regardless of, of why it's happening, once it's a cycle, it's a cycle, right? Mm-hmm. And because sometimes you go and your abuser is loving and affectionate, and other times they're cold and distant, you kind of keep leaning in because you never know what you're going to get. Plus, a lot of us grew up in environments where that was normal. That's what we were observing in our own parents, right? This lack of affection and this idea of, um, you know, this dramatic emotional roller coaster being coming the norm, right? As opposed to the exception, sure. right? Whereas a codependent relationship, um, in a codependent relationship, that's really where a person's self-esteem and mood is dependent on their partner Mm -hmm. so really unless your partner's okay you are not okay that type of that type of dynamic and that can be gaslighting can certainly occur in any of these dynamics we've already established that we gaslight each other all the time we gaslight ourselves all the time right so um but it's so important to understand what constitutes unhealthy relationships, the ones that we've been talking about, and um, which does come, as you said, from our attachment wounding, right? Um, I believe at one point, um, there were, there's some different types of attachment styles that we haven't covered yet. Um, Yes. (laughs) I have have all four of them ready to rock and roll because I had a feeling we were going to move in that direction at this point in the conversation. So I do want to talk about attachment styles, including... um, That was very smooth, very smooth segueing on my part. (laughs) The four, there are four primary attachment styles, one of which is definitely a more healthier version uh, of how we should seek to build meaningful attachments and relationships with those, with others. Uh, But uh, also, the other three that we want to avoid, right? So uh, the disorganized are also known as the fearful avoidant uh, attachment style exists when there are conflicting behaviors, right? Because of what you've been modeled about, how people care about you or are attached to you or connected to you, you uh, love hard one minute or are very reluctant to do so the next. You seem very present and very active one minute, but very disconnected and not so much the next. The other uh, kind of characteristics consist of inconsistent emotions difficulty regulating your emotions. So hard to know whether you are depressed or happy or okay or confident or hopeful or in complete peril and demise, right? Because of those situations, Uh, there's a lack of trust that you operate from. You tend to have low self-esteem and you're disconnected from reality uh, and demonstrate that by demonstrating self-destructive behaviors, right? So less care about you because of all the confusion created about um, and around the terms and conditions of that relationship or that bond. The second type is the anxious, I'm sorry, the anxious attachment style. And these are reflected in the following characteristics. First is a fear of abandonment, right? So you have high anxiety about being left. 
You may be being gaslit by somebody who clearly is showing distance from you, is clearly doing things to take away, to reward or to punish you by their presence or by some extension of them. But no, no, it's nothing. It's not that big of a deal. That's not what I'm doing. I'm here. I'm not showing you that I'm here for you. And so you have this fear of being left alone. You also tend to overthink and overanalyze. Um, you have a high sensitivity to rejection. Uh, you're seeking constant reassurance. So you become dependent. Right. And sometimes either unilaterally dependent or codependent. There are people who have these habits and tendencies that end up linking up together. Um, and that exposes some of the, the scariness of constantly needed to be reassured by somebody. You have difficulty trusting folks. You are emotionally reactive uh, and overly dependent on individuals. Uh, the third type of attachment style is the avoidant style, the avoidant attachment style. This style is represented by uh, a few characteristics. First, avoiding emotional intimacy. So you avoid, you don't even put stock into uh, formulating the emotional intimate parts of a relationship. You really feel like if we can check some of these very disconnected, very benign, very surface level boxes, that's good enough for you, which means the relationships you engage in end up being super shallow and not really the, about the, the social media relationships, essentially, right? Where you get your pictures, you get your selfies, you go on your little dates, but y'all not talking at the table. You scrolling through the whole time. There's no real care or attention in those exchanges. Uh, you also have difficulty trusting. Uh, you are independent to a fault. Right. You do everything by yourself. You can do everything, But you've been forced to be in that position because people are unreliable. You can't depend on them. You can't trust them. They've broken that. Um, you have a level of discomfort with vulnerability, a fear of dependency. You're detached and unemotional. Uh, you have a preference for casual relationships and difficulty with conflict resolution, because why labor and Terry with solving a problem when I can just leave you alone altogether? Right. But healthy style. Before we take this break, I want to get into healthy attachment style, what we call the secure attachment style. This is represented by a comfortability with intimacy, by trust, by having a positive self-image, by being resilient, by being empathetic, independence, enjoying social connections and the freeness to express your most emotions without uh, the fear of it being crowded out or undermined or erased all completely together. Or those are things that you don't stand for. Right. So you go into relationships very open and very forward about space needing to be made for those types of expressions. Right. Those are secure connections and really speak a lot about um, either the childhood that you have or the healing that you've done since your childhood to make sure that the way that you attach to folks are ones that are, are set up for long term relationships and deep relationships therein. Uh, we're having a great conversation. I'm really learning, sharing, and understanding more about gaslighting. When we come back, we're going to close out the conversation by talking about some relationship green flags as well as, you know, things to consider as we, how we, how we respond to gaslighting. This is the Even We Know That podcast or the conversation show presentation platform. This is Toya, that's Kat. We'll be back in one second. Trauma, spirituality, and intersectionality are common threads that tie our life experiences together. Understanding trauma, exploring spirituality as a tool to heal, and looking at it all through an intersectional lens is what makes our show unique. By tuning into Even We Know That with LaToya Green and Kat Schwarz, you will gain valuable insight and clarity on the issues that affect us most, whether you realize it or not. Tune in on Wednesdays at 4 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Central, 2 p.m. Mountain, and 1 p.m. Pacific on InspiredChoicesNetwork.com. This is Even We Know That with LaToya Green and Kat Schwarz. To participate in the program, join the live studio audience in our chat room at InspiredChoicesNetwork.com. 
You can also send an email to evenweknowthat at gmail.com. Now back to the program. Hello, this is the Even We Know That show. My name is Kat Schwartz. This is LaToya Green. You can find LaToya on social media at Higher Definition LEC and find me on social media, Instagram specifically for both of us at Compassionate Healing Services. And we are wrapping up a great conversation about gaslighting today. And um, before the break, we were talking about attachment styles. You ended on secure attachment, which we would consider a healthy attachment. And before you get into the green flags of relationships, I wanted to pull up some things, you know, just some general things about how you can tell, um, you know, if you're in a healthy relationship, because honestly, you can't have a healthy relationship with an unhealthy person, (laughs) right? And you sometimes are that unhealthy person, right? That's where healing comes in, (laughs) right? If, if, if you are in a relationship and leave that relationship and go to relationship after relationship and the same patterns are coming up, you have to understand that that's something within you that needs to be healed. Like that's something within you that's your, that you are attracting, right? Mm-hmm. So, so what, what healthy love would, because uh, I want to say that conflict is absolutely normal in every relationship, right? If you have conflict in a relationship, whether that be romantic, platonic, coworker, you are normal, <laughs> right? Every relationship is going to have conflict. And even healthy people might do things such as, you know, be sarcastic or, you know, dig here and there, or, you know, I'm not saying that healthy people are perfect, <laughs> right? right? But you know, you're in a healthy relationship when the person has capacity for empathy, right? When they have the capacity for um, self-awareness, right? And when they are, um, you know, equally invested in naming the problem so you can get past the problem, right? Whereas if you're in a relationship where after every interaction, you feel confused, you feel chaotic, right? There's a lot of emotional highs and lows. There's shame, there's rage, there's walking on eggshells or shrinking yourself for your partner. There's literal gaslighting. Um, those are those are red flags, if you will, right? Those are red flags that you're in an unhealthy partnership. So let's talk a little bit more about green flags from Latoya Green, the <laughs> and, um, and then I have some advice to, um, to wrap up. If you, um, as well as like what to do if you find yourself in one of these unhealthy relationships and unhealthy partnerships. For sure. So real quick, relationship uh, green flags from Latoya Green. First of all, uh, <laughs> it's a green flag. And again, not just intimate relationships. These can be familial parents, a child, child to parent, colleagues, friends, things like that. Uh, their actions align with their words is a great green flag. They communicate openly. Another great green flag. They respect and honor your boundaries. I don't like this. I'm not a fan of that. This makes me uncomfortable. Okay, say less. Let me navigate that. No problem. We won't have to bring it up again. Uh, they strive to understand you. They want to work to unpack and unravel the things that are not immediately uh, understandable or internalizable by them. They support and encourage your growth. They apologize when they're in the wrong. They are honest and trustworthy. They're intentional about co- resolving conflict. They don't want to let it sit and stew. They don't want to for- forget about it or act like it never existed, but will actually say, hey, I think we should probably have a conversation about this thing. Uh, they don't make you doubt their love or their care or their intentions. Uh, they argue respectfully. And that's a big thing for me, a green light or a green flag for me, because we don't have to get, like you just said, conflict will come. We're going to have to get down and go round and round every now and again. But do you have to call me out of my name? 
If that is a term and condition for you, we'll never get along. If your voice has to go from, we can't just talk, be mad, but use your words, the, the beautiful vocabulary, right? Um, both on my part and dictionaries and thesauruses are available to you. Come up with a better way than being verbally violent to me. Um, and then the last list, the, the last thing I have on my Latoya Green's list of green relationship flags <laughs> is that you are actively working on self-growth. Though, so, so a lot of your growth, a lot of your development, where you want to go next has little to nothing to do with me. But by your own volition, by your own kind of desire to be a better person or a better version of yourself, you do things that help you grow because you understand when you're moving in that direction, and hopefully I'm moving in that direction too, we can make a dynamic kind of bond and pair out of that relationship when we're being intentional about ourselves. So things that you should look out for and seek to be for somebody else. What were you going to say, Kat? Close it out for us. Yeah. So if you, if you, you know, find yourself listening to these things and you think you're more on the end of an unhealthy or toxic dynamic, maybe even a trauma bond or an abusive relationship, right? What are some things that you can do, right? Um, you know, and again, these are relationships in which you feel consistently, chronically, um, you know, invalidated, like you can't win in arguments, nothing ever changes their behavior. Mm -hmm. Um, their, your feedback, your honest feedback triggers that person, maybe even triggers rage or violent behavior to the point where you walk on eggshells, right? These are all very red flags, ruby red flags, right? Mm -hmm. So if you find yourself in these situations, first, please tell someone that you trust, right? You have to at least name the problem out loud because it can be it, it can trigger a lot of shame to be find yourself in these situations and shame really is lethal shame is a form of internalized gaslighting it's mm -hmm. that voice that tells you that you didn't just do something bad that's guilt that you are bad right you're bad because that happened to you and shame can i believe it's Brene Brown that says that shame cannot exist in the presence of compassion Right. Mm -hmm. So just naming the the fact that you believe you're in, a, in an abusive situation to a trusted uh, family member, friend um, or therapist. Right. Any uh, professional that can that can help. Right. So get that sense of community, get that sense of support. Um, and then, you know, don't try to get better at tolerating mistreatment. Mm -hmm. Right. I think sometimes, you know, especially if you're being told. Um, or gaslit by family members that it could be worse or it was worse for them or, you know, this is just how it is for women in the patriarchy. They're not going to use those words, but mm -hmm. right. You know, don't try to get better at tolerating mistreatment, right? Trust your gut, trust your intuition around how these people make you feel, how these interactions make you feel, get the support you need, release the shame, give yourself compassion, you know, for being in this situation. It's very common. These situations have happened to me personally, right? Um, they creep up on you because um, there's just a little bit of give and take at a time, right? It's usually not an overtly abusive situation. Um, those are a little bit easier to identify, especially when you're in them. Um, what about you can, 30 seconds left. What'd you say? I said about 30 seconds left. What, what, what would you say? How do we put a bow on all of this? Yeah. And if you if you can't leave immediately, if that's not an option for um for what you said, then you can at least stop contributing to the drama of it. Right. When you change in a relationship, the relationship inherently changes. And since the only person that you can really change is yourself, focus your efforts there. Right. And get out. If you're in an abusive situation, get out. And, you know, there's certainly um, resources beyond what we have in 10 seconds to talk about um, to to get that help that you might need. But 
reach out to us. Even we know that at gmail.com and we will uh, uh, divert you to resources that could help. Next week, we're linking uh, white supremacy and patriarchy to the ways that traumas are experienced socially. So you do not want to forget or miss that conversation. I am Latoya Green. This is Kat Schwartz. This is Even We Know That on the Inspired Choices Network. See you next week. Thank you for listening to the Even We Know That show. LaToya and Kat return Wednesday at 4 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Central, 2 p.m. Mountain, and 1 p.m. Pacific on InspiredChoicesNetwork.com. Until then, don't be afraid to say the quiet parts out loud.